Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My very special guest with me today is my friend Sean. Hello, I'm Sean. And today we are going to be discussing Chapter 57 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. In Chapter 57, Mr. Bennett receives a letter from Mr. Collins about Lizzie and Darcy. It's another fun chapter, this one. It sort of ties over from the visit from Mr. Uh, Lady Catherine at the beginning with Lizzie, as it says here, meditating on ideas revolving around her head. I love that she refers to Lady Catherine's visit as a rational scheme. It was a rational scheme, to be sure, as in it was just ridiculous. What was she thinking? <laughs> well, of course, I wonder whether that's list. That's the term rational thing is a link to the rational movement, which was going on at that time for women. You know, women are rational creatures, which was a Mary Wollstonecraft Wall, stone. I thought it was uh, Wollaston. Wollaston, yes, I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> one of those one of those names one never always reads but never pronounces. You're probably saying it entirely wrong. About how women are rational creatures. Mm. Which, of course, really is not exactly a description you could use of Lady Catherine by any shape of imagination. But Jane uses that rational creatures in uh, persuasion. Yes. And again, oh, I want to say maybe Mansfield Park. She might well do. Which Mm. does imply, well, I mean, I don't know for sure that she would have read Mary Sue Will- Mary Wollstone. <laughs> oh, I got it even worse that time. Mary M. We'll just stick to Mary M, shall Mary we? M. Yeah, our friend Mary. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite a comparison to Mary B. Mary Bennett? Yes. Mm. Mm. So Lizzie is thinking about Lady Catherine. Oh, and we noticed as we were reading it that the lady and Lady Catherine, the owl isn't capital the whole way through the chapter. It is in some places, but not everywhere, which I find really frustrating. And I'm like, why did they not just edit it? And as we discussed before, I think sometimes there's this perverse desire to stick to all the typos and errors that would be an embarrassment to an author if they ever got them published. And they'd look back and say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) <laughs> and particularly, I mean, it must be quite remarkable when you're writing such a thing by hand in the first place. Mm. Incredible amount of work. And it's amazing. I do know that she would cross bits out and pin bits of paper in mm. for bits that she changed. Yeah. Not as easy as using a Word document. Or even the days of Typex and yes. Whiteout. Yeah. I can tell I can tell I'm dated with I have things like that, you know. Do your younger audiences remember the days? No, they wouldn't even be aware of them. I I used to I learned typing at school, mm. but computers were coming in. So some people were learning on computers and some people were learning on typewriters. It's probably the most useful thing I learned in school was how to type. Uh, I I learned to type after I left university. It was the best thing I ever did. It's so good. I, I just wished I'd been able to do it when I was at universities. Essays would have been a heap more easy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, envy Jane Austen writing everything by hand. No, a skill in itself. Was. Anyway, on that note, back to Lady Catherine. That's our first and... segue. Well done, us. <laughs> We've not segued before. Someone was telling me that you and I stick more to the topic than Paula and I do. <laughs> 
Because he's thinking about Darcy and his relationship with Lady Catherine. It was natural to suppose that he thought much higher of her ladyship than she could do. <laughs> Which sounds very much... Like she did not think very high. Well, yes. I think we were pretty new that she didn't think very highly of. And there's a gap, at least in the copy that we have of this book, between um, I shall soon receive to regret him at all and then the surprise of the rest of her family. So it's mm. all inside her thoughts and then it goes outside of her thoughts. That's right. And there's a gap there, which is interesting because Jane Austen very rarely uses those. Mm. That's that's true. I think what I particularly like that that last sentence is that it's that it's that justification we all do when something we believe we really want is out of reach. Mm. That we rationalise. I didn't really want it anyway. I didn't really want it or yes, basically. And I think that's what she's saying is I shall know how to understand it. I shall then give over every expectation, every wish of his consciences. If he is satisfied with only regretting me, when he might have obtained my affection and hand, I shall soon cease to regret him at all. It's like, well, if he, you know, if he really doesn't, if he can't stand up to the um, pressure of his aunt, then he's really not worth having. So I won't regret him soon. Which is a good way to look at it. It is a very good way to look at it. Mr. Bennett gets a letter from Mr. Collins which says we think that Lizzie's going to marry Mr. Darcy. <laughs> the way he describes him, he's with everything the heart of a mortal can most desire, splendid property, noble kindred, and extensive patronage. Notice that extensive patronage because that's the bit that's most important to Mr. Collins. Of course. Well, of course. And I think, I think in the next chapter there is actually a reference to the be more attentive to the nephew because he can offer more. Yes. Which is which he is quite true. There's definitely more to give. And her father thinks it's a big joke and poor Lizzie oh. never had his wit being directed in a manner so little agreeable to her. Yes. You look conscious. Young grady, young ladies have great, great penetration in such manage of these, but I think I may derive even your sagacity. <laughs> oh dear. For all Mr. Bennett's observations, he really has no idea either. No. Which really explains that Lizzie, I think out of, refer often to Jane being able to hide her emotions. But I think Lizzie can as well, but she hides them in a different way mm. through that slightly more outgoing sort of jovial presentation that she might do, you know, the more of the wittiness. But really in here, she, you can just see that she's just having to completely hold herself because she knows her father is very penetrating, but she's mm -hmm. just got to be so careful how she says anything. There's a line in here that I absolutely love. It was necessary to laugh when she would rather have cried. Absolutely. That's so much, so much really what's going on here. It's exactly what she's feeling. And you can just, oh, I can imagine the sort of the, the sort of that writhing inside. Mm. Cringing at everything her father says. Mm. And, and, I right? and I think too now she's recognised her father has feet of clay. She saw how he managed the, or didn't manage Lydia running away, how he, he was the consequence of that ill decision to allow her to go to... Brighton. Brighton and how 
for all his intelligence, he has little wisdom and certainly has little sense of responsibility towards his family. So I think she, he's gone down such a lot in her estimation, really. Yeah, I think he did at the time when he said that he'd rather Lydia go to Brighton than cause a ruckus at mm, home. Mm, mm. That's right. I do like Mr Collins's writings, though. The way he... He never comes to the point, does he? He talks around things. Although he's, oh. he's very mean about Lydia and Wickham. You ought certainly to forgive them as a Christian, but never to omit them in your sight or allow their names to be mentioned in your hearing. That is his notion of Christian forgiveness. But of course, in fact, that's actually what often happened in those gentry so families. They, they get married and they just never see their family again. They are not publicly. Mm. They would they would be, you know, person non grata. They wouldn't be seen in public with them. They certainly wouldn't be holding welcome back dinners for them and things like that. Although comparatively, what he says here is nicer than what he said in his last letter when he said her, her death would have been yes. in comparison. Yes, yes. I think what you can see here and by the end of the book that Charlotte has a big influence on him. He's a weak man, mm. but a strong woman's giving him his delusion of actually being in control where actually she's pulling all the strings. And we hear here that she's pregnant, the I young know. Olive Branch. I know, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, And of course, the rest of us, and largely I think because of the characters that have Mr Collins has often been played on the screen, we're all sort of squirming with the idea that she had to have sex with him. Yes. Whereas really, he he was in the book. He's he's not described as ugly or anything. Just a slightly thick set, no. serious young man. And he is quite young. He's a couple of years younger than Charlotte. Yes, he's. I think he's only twenty five. Where she's, she's twenty seven. Yeah. So and he's he must be getting a lot fitter now because she's keeping him out in the garden doing bit and walking a lot. Mm. So we can't be that. You know, um, and he—he's—I wouldn't say he's—he uh, I, I, doesn't drink or anything like that, as far as we know. So he's just not an inspiring young man. I think my mind would rather not go in that particular direction. The thing that strikes me about this is that he's going to be the head of the family. He's the future patriarch of Longbourn. I know. Now that, but then again, Charlotte's going to be the patriarch of Longbourn, isn't she? Yes, you're probably right. She wears the trousers in that relationship. And she does, because she has all the connections. Yeah, she knows everyone in the neighbourhood. She knows everyone in the neighbourhood. She's been basically brought up to run a house. Mm. Uh, She knows everything from the ground up, unlike Lizzie, in the sense that, you know, she knows how to cook and she knows all those things. Because Mrs. Lucas... Contrary to Mrs. Bennett, was not ashamed of her learning how to run a household. You know, it wasn't just give the orders to the servants. It was actually you need to understand exactly what what makes the whole place tick. Because that was the thing, wasn't it? A real lady knows how to do everything better than her servants. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think the point of this letter is? Because we've already had Lady Catherine come and stick her at Warren. And so we know that she's not happy. Why do you think this is? But nobody knows. Mr. Collins doesn't know Lady Catherine's visited. True. 
All he knows is she's gone to London, presumably to see the nephew. Um, she doesn't know that he called that um, lady. He doesn't know that she called in Elizabeth and spoke to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is not telling anybody what Lady Catherine spoke about. Do you think this is to put her in more of a difficult situation, like put more pressure on her? Because she's had Lady Catherine, now she's got the pressure that her father knows something's going on. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any intent... I don't think there's any collusion between either of the party. Oh, no, I don't mean that. I mean of the author. I mean authorial intent. Authorial, that's a thought. I think what it does, of course, is it keeps the emotions... Elizabeth can no longer... She can't hide behind her her facade so well because she's got her father making jokes about it all the time. And so she's having to actually, rather than try to to move on almost and wait for something to happen, Mm. she's got her father and Mr Collins rubbing salt in the wound by actually reinforcing in some respects what Lady Catherine's already said to her. So I think it increases the doubt because not only have you got Wickham and and Lydia and Lady Catherine, you've also got Mr Bennett who, quite frankly, as I mentioned before, doesn't really come across as the kind of responsible parent that Darcy would aspire to. So, so in Elizabeth's mind or in Jane's mind, it's like all these things are against Lizzie and Darcy getting together. How easy is is he going to be persuaded? Is he going to just factually weigh up the pros and cons? We don't, because at this point we don't know what the outcome's going to be. We don't know if Lady, that Lady Catherine goes to visit him. We don't know mm. anything. So we're still, and in the days when people wouldn't necessarily read the last chapter of the book like I might tend to, <laughs> <laughs> and where they would be reading these at night time, you know, in front of the sofa and to the family and everything, and they'd finish sort of on a cliffhanger and everybody would go to bed. That's a good cliffhanger. It does build the tension, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because if we've gone straight from Lady Catherine to Mr Darcy coming, you sort of need a bit of air in between there. And it does provide that, you know, we know, we know what was said, but Mr Bennett doesn't know what was said, no. nor does Mr Collins. So we, we're we privileged in more information than the rest of the characters are, apart from Lizzie. And so we're also looking at this and thinking, you know, yes, it's, it it just has it has a sort of ridiculousness about it, but in the meantime, you can feel for Lizzie as a twenty year old female squirming, and um, very much being oh dear, you know how would you feel? Yeah, when your father's saying so, is this guy your boyfriend or not? Exactly, and and look, even if he if he was a boyfriend, who wants to talk to the father about their boyfriends? At the best of times. That's very true. Now, you had a note about teasing. Oh, yes, that was right. I just noticed in the text it has teasing with a Z. Now, my understanding, we often refer now as using a Z in in a word as being an Americanism, and Britain, British English uses an S most commonly. But my understanding is that actually originally we used to use the Z which went over with the Americans, and we morphed to the S. So one could argue that the American is actually more correct to use the Z. It just seems wrong. I'm sorry. I know, it does, rather bizarre. And I would have to find the reference to that to, to 
so maybe before the next podcast I'll you try and that. find the reference to it. Otherwise, I'm just spouting hot air. It's all right. We don't reference things here. We just talk. <laughs> I do. I, I do like that line. Are you not diverted? Says Miss Oh, yes, yes. Please, if we can... Shut up, please. You can imagine in her back of her head, she's saying, no, no, shut up, please, don't go on. Oh, poor Lizzie. It's such an uncomfortable situation to be in. <laughs> oh, dear. It is a, it's a, a light relief after the Lady Catherine. So she was doom and gloom in Mr. Collins' amusement. Yes. Sunny pair they are. Oh, well matched. Mm. And that is our summary of Chapter 57 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!